Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. My name's Mike Fenton-Stevens, and My Time Capsule is the podcast, as it always is, where I ask people to tell me five things from their life that they wish they had in a time capsule. They can pick anything they like from any time in their life, but they must pick four things that they cherish and one thing that they wish they could forget. Something they want to bury in the ground and never think of again. My guest in this episode is the ex-teacher, keynote speaker and writer, Hal Roberts, who may not be famous in the wide world, but in the world of education is a star, and rightly so, as you'll hear in this lovely episode. At a time when people are challenging the whole idea that children need to be engaged and invested in their own learning, believing that discipline and no excuses are what is needed to keep a difficult class on task, in a way the old Victorian values, Howell shows that creativity, humour, imagination and what he calls botheredness might be a far better set of professional skills to bring to any classroom. Howell spends a great deal of his time as a travelling teacher, working with young people and their teachers in their classrooms across the UK and abroad. He's been described as a world leader in enthusiasm, and his first book, Oops! Helping Children Learn Accidentally, is a favourite among teachers. His latest book, Botheredness, Stories, Stance and Pedagogy, is written for teachers primarily, but I think it will be a must-read for all parents looking for a kinder, more imaginative and more caring way to educate their children. Botheredness is a word Howell uses to sum up the kind of authentic care that is real and deliberate and gets children and young people on board with learning for life. So trust me with this one. You're going to love Hal Roberts and the five things he chooses for his time capsule. Hello, hello. Hello, Hal. Are, are you all right? <laughs> I'm all right, thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm very sorry, well. Mate, sorry to disturb your bank holiday Monday. 
It, not at all. It's honestly, it's a pleasure. And I'm really glad we could fit it in, to be honest, because it it all goes a bit mental after today. So. Yeah, I bet. It all just starts up, doesn't it, again? Yeah. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Yeah. So it's, it's this is really exciting uh, for me, and it seems to have turned around so quickly yeah. from a bit of a Twitter message. So thanks. Well, I saw your stuff, and then I, I looked mm. you up because I thought, so okay. that's good. And I thought, so, you know, I've spoken so often to people yeah. on this podcast about how important education is yeah. in the world, and uh, and personally, how disappointed I was following my favourite speech of all time, education, yeah. education, education. Yeah. Education. yeah. I thought, yeah. so that's it, finally, <laughs> here we go. And just this morning, I saw that Nitin Sawney, the uh, composer and musician, yeah. has posted a long tweet which basically says there's only one way to stop all these problems in the world and this divisiveness, and that is universal education. A hundred percent. And it's a balanced curriculum, you know, and it's, yeah. it's the arts, it's uh, sport, it's health. It's all those things. It's, it's actually a no brainer, but yeah, you know, <laughs> who are we? <laughs> <laughs> it is. When you think about it, those people who made friends at school and remain yeah. friends for the rest yeah, of yeah. their lives yeah. are close bonded friends and yeah. they would do anything for each other. Yeah. Now, if yeah. that's the case for everyone, yeah. then you, it's community, isn't it? It is. It's community. It's communication. I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've got so much I wanted to share with you today. It's been great. It's been really quite hard for me to, to narrow it down. It was difficult at first, but then, uh, you know, I, I was on a, we went to a festival at the weekend and um, we just listened to a, a lot of your shows on the way down for inspiration. This is me and my wife. And uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and she was saying, what, what, what are your five things going to be? And I said, I've got, I've got about 20. Yeah. <laughs> I've got 20 things, but, but <laughs> I, hopefully I, I, I've nailed it. And um, it'll, it'll fit into the canon all right. And we can focus on education, absolutely. And there's so much more as well. Yeah, of course. But it's always interesting to know how you got there. Yeah. How you got to be who you are and to think what you think. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I suppose um, it is, it's, it's a good story and, and one I, sh- I share in the book, which I've, I've got in an envelope uh, on my kitchen table for you. <laughs> so it'll be, it'll be fairly redundant by the time you get it, unless, or just pass it on to a teacher you might know or, or something. But it, I think you'll enjoy it anyway. Yeah, no, that's a good thing to do. I mean, I have to say, my world of education is yeah. really weird. I went to a secondary modern school. Yes, yeah. Uh, where, you know, we had really nice teachers, but nothing yeah. was really expected of us. No. And no. now I end up, well, with most people thinking that I went to Oxford University, but I, in fact, went to Oxford yeah. Polytechnic. But yeah. they completely <laughs> accept me in that world. They think, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So it's weird. And at the same time, my wife, who I met at university, yeah. um, dropped out after her first year. Yeah. She then uh, decided when she was about 26 with two small children that she should get some education. Right. Uh, so she went back to school, our local school, yeah. uh, as an adult, and took part in the sixth form. Yeah. Which wow. is That's amazing. amazing. I know. Yeah, it is amazing. <laughs> she got in touch with the sixth form head and said, I'd like to do some A-levels yeah. here. Can I do them through you? He said, you can do them with me. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's that sort of inspiration, that sort of innovation that, yeah. that changes the whole thing, I think. You know, I mean, she went in and apparently that was the year when most children in her class achieved the best results they'd ever achieved because mm. they saw an adult in the class coming in voluntarily every day yeah. and working really hard. And they went, 
well, if she can do it, I can do it. But there's something beautifully powerful about that, isn't there? Mm. And, and it's great for, you know, I, I know that when we had quite challenging kids, I, I, I taught most of my career in a, a, a secondary school, white working class secondary school in Barnsley in South Yorkshire (laughs) and there you know salt of the earth really and and one of the most powerful things we could do everyone talks about behavior and poor behavior in teaching but actually one of the most powerful things thing that we could do was um was you know really work on our relationships with the with the young people it's really just about building bridges one of the things we did do was invite the parents in not to give them a bollocking but just to, <laughs> you know just to say oh your auntie val's coming today <laughs> and this kid would be like what yeah your auntie val she's coming in She's just coming in because she wants to know how if I'm a good teacher or not. And, you know, Auntie Val had come in and the kid had been model pupil, you know. Yeah, I bet. So, <laughs> so, so when I was at school, if parents came in, you were in big trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah there was that. I mean, that was the path of the course, really. But we, ha- we have to be more imaginative, don't we? We have to think bigger. And, and at the moment, it's really depressing. But I'll, I'll try and steer clear of that because that's not very entertaining. Yeah, well, you <laughs> but, know. <laughs> It, it's true, though, isn't it? It is depressing. <laughs> it's it really depressing. Incredible. I mean, Incredible. finally, teachers have accepted what I thought was, you know, not the greatest pay offer. No. But, and they sort of went, we've got no choice. We've just no. got to get back to town. And in fact, you know that a lot of that, I'll take that pay, would yeah. have been, do you know, I really just want to get back to teaching. A hundred percent. And I think, um, you know, it's that kind of vilifying of public sector workers, the nurses. Mm-hmm. You know, one minute we're smacking pans, there was a bloke down here playing banjo every Thursday night during <laughs> COVID, you know, one minute <laughs> someone else on the bagpipes. And 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 actually it just seems like we were I I just feel a bit stupid for clapping. <laughs> you know, what I mean a bit oh, a bit embarrassed now. Yeah. And and I think they are as well, the, the the health professionals. But yeah, it's it's just we're I think we're in a bit of a mire at the moment. But the good news is I think that I think the pendulum's gonna swing. And we have these pendulum swings in education where it can all seem really bleak. And then that that's what uh, Tony Blair did with that speech. It was a big mm. pendulum swing. And I was I was right in the middle of it then. And suddenly there was money. Suddenly, you know, if a kid had a problem or a family had a problem, you you could connect them up with outside services that would help them, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing that's gone. And that's why. But we turn our attention, we turn the firing squad onto the actual children themselves, you know? Yes. That, that's yeah. the narrative. Or we the say moment. the teachers don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really I mean, do. I've got, I've got two. <laughs> Autistic grandchildren okay. who are both not in education at the moment, right. okay. because basically because the school can't cope with them, no. and they no. can't find the money to provide them. No. Yeah. No. So they, and at every stop, every turn, they they resist it. They say, yeah. "Oh no, you need to prove more." And it's mm. absolutely blatantly clear that they need help, and yet it's not being supplied. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's totally unfair. And and I've I've worked in in behaviour settings, so in in what we call social emotional mental health settings, mm. uh, and and the money's gone from there as well. And it's um, it, you you get to the but you know that there's teachers who just go home, and I'm sure it's the same for any sort of public sector worker, they just go home thinking, I haven't done a good enough job. And mm. it's awful. And that's why, I mean, we do have a, te- a retention crisis and recruitment crisis in teaching because it, it's not attractive. And you can't get away with just having an advert on the telly saying, <laughs> oh, you come and change people's lives because yeah. often you just can't. Well, I've got so much. I mean, having right. looked at your stuff, I've got loads of yeah. things to ask you, but I'm hoping yeah, okay. we're all going to come up because, you know, I just – 
you caught me immediately by right. you know botheredness it yes, just, yeah. because that phrase without a doubt it was the teachers who could be bothered that you yeah. clung to when you were a child at school because yeah. you knew they were interested in you that's all it took that's it and and uh, when you do get a copy of the book you'll you'll see that in the front i i, I because of facebook and how brilliant facebook can be as well as Twitter when the nice bits of Twitter, if there's any left. But, you know, the social media stuff is really good because adults have reached out to me and they were kids I taught in the 90s or the mm-hmm. 2000s. And, and so in the front of the book, they all got a copy of the book to read before it was published. So they've all <laughs> written about it. And to basically say, yes, this is true. Uh, <laughs> you know, these yeah. anecdotes are real because <laughs> he's talking about me. <laughs> you know, so it's so sweet. And I think impact and... And and so on. And, and like you say, that you remember a teacher who's profoundly affected you. And they might have been a tough teacher. They might have been quite tough on you, you know, mm-hmm. but at the root of it, perhaps, was love, you know, was a, an, an, a, an a seeking for to, to help you as a child be self-actualized, you know, or, or, or get you on that path a little mm-hmm. bit without sounding too, too zen. But, you know, just <laughs> help you out, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is always that. You always look at kids who you feel are throwing away their future and think, yeah. oh, what a future you could have. Yeah. Yeah, I remember a kid, I, I used to just always send him out. Am I right just to tell you these stories? You are fine to tell me <laughs> anything. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember every lesson, you know, in, in the old days, today you can press a button and some 25-year-old in a, in a football manager's suit with brown brogues will come and get rid of the naughty kid out of your class. But in the old mm-hmm. days, and I'm not rose-tinted, but in the old days, you're just on yourself. You were just on your sen, as they say yeah. in Barnsley. You're just mm-hmm. on your sen. <laughs> you're just you and these kids, and you had to deal with it. So I remember this kid, I had to send him out every so often, just for him to cool off, because mm-hmm. other kids had wind him up and, and, and things like that. And uh, all I wanted him to do was do his... English, you know, I, I was a GCSE English teacher, you know, I need him to do his literature. And uh, every time I'd send him out and, and always building bridges, that was my thing. I didn't go on a course for it. I didn't, no one had really told me. It's just, it made my life easier if kids got on with you, you know, it just made your life easier. Yeah. And I sent him out and I, and I went to see him. I said, look, I said, I've got a newborn at home and I could do without this, <laughs> you know, and I'm telling him all about this. And he says, how old, how old's your baby? And I was making it up, Mike. I was making right. it up. I was just trying to get an easy life. And, mm. and I said, oh, he's, he's five. So, but this lad, he was called Jordan. He said, well, I'm sorry about it. And I said, well, I'm just really tired, mate, to be honest, because I've got enough on at home and I, I don't want to have to babysit you. And I'm, I'm talking like that with him. And he said, right. I said, are you going to come back in or do we have to go through some horrible rigmarole? And he went, I'll come back in. So we came back in. Now, we went through this ritual quite often. Yeah. <laughs> the following week, he came in with a CD that he'd made. And it was a CD. It was a mix CD. He wanted to be a DJ, this kid. <sighs> but it was quite unusual at the time. I'm going back many years. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, he said, I've made this for your lad. And I went, thank you so much. Thank you. I'll, I will play this to him. And I still had to send him out every now and again. Yeah. But then when we were outside, he'd say, how's your lad getting on? And, and, and we'd have these kind <laughs> he of... He probably wanted a chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, it was kind of 
that really um yeah. and, and I, I don't know if he became a dj but i know he, he sort of dropped off the radar and last seen in a club in manchester you know what i mean mm, good <laughs> but, <laughs> i'm yeah, having a good yeah. time yeah, yeah it was it was lying for learning i call it yeah. <laughs> it was lying to, fibbing to the kids to get them to do what you need them to do yeah all be back oh god <laughs> yeah yeah all that all the ailments i told them i told the kids at barnsley i said um because, uh, I, I mean, I'm not a big follower of football, but they all love Barnsley FC, you know? And so you had to have an interest in it, otherwise you were screwed. Mm. So I, I just told them I was the mascot, you know, the the <laughs> guy, in a, someone in a suit, Toby Tyke. Yeah. Uh, and I'd be running up and down the... Uh, I'd be running up and down the touchline and they'd say, sir, we were waving at you and shouting your name and you didn't turn around and wave at us. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I just can't hear you because of the... <laughs> I've got a job to do here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> uh, brilliant. How that's absolutely fantastic. You really remind me of my English teacher, which is um, oh, good. a compliment. Oh, that's lovely. Thank yeah. you. He was um, he was fantastic. He pretended he had a friend in the cupboard. <laughs> It's that sort of stuff, it's crappy. Yeah, just to get your attention, you know, whenever he was losing us, he could tell it. He could think, no, they're bored. And yeah. he, would, he would open the cupboard and, and talk to his mates and say, <laughs> no, I've lost them. I've lost them. They're gone. They're not interested in this at all. I know yeah. I'm interested in it. It's just I've got to teach it to them, you know. And yeah. you would go, what's he doing? And you were back in the room, as it were. I think there's a, there's a lovely, and I, and I use this word really carefully, the word banter, because I know there's <laughs> nasty, horrible banter. But actually, the, the, what you're talking about there is just someone working really hard to to win their kids over. Like like you know, you're a, you're a performer, and you win your audience over. You mm-hmm. you just want people looking at you <laughs> yeah. and on your on your side, and have got your back. And yeah. and I think it's a really hard, it's a really difficult thing. A, a lot of my stuff is around working with new colleagues, new teachers, and it's really hard to communicate this sort of stuff to them, mm. you know. But if we label it as botheredness or, mm. or words like that, the warmth, mm-hmm. then it, it becomes a little bit easier, I think. Yeah. It certainly gets easier for them. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope so, because it yeah. must be... I've always thought that, you know, when you think back to those uh, supply teachers who'd come in to school and yeah. the horror of it. Oh, <laughs> brutal. Look in their eyes and think, oh, you poor thing. You know. Brutal. So just a quick one about a supply teacher, bless him. He was, this is from a friend of mine. It, we were all working in the same school and that's important. We'll, I'm going to talk a little bit about this um, later mm-hmm. as one of my things in my time capsule. But I don't know if it's a Yorkshire thing, but kids used to do this thing called a sweaty betty, which was uh, they'd get paper yeah. and suck it and make little balls and then right. in their mouths and they'd, Get a big biro, you know, a big biro. You take the ah, inside out, yeah. and then you use it as a as a, as a pellet. Yeah. yeah, and they used to call those sweaty betties. <laughs> good name, and it is a good name. <laughs> and uh, you knew if you'd had a supply teacher in because you'd come in back to your classroom if you'd been out somewhere, <laughs> and there'd just be sweaty betties all over the place. <laughs> but there was one day, there was one day when my mate, who was a geography teacher, Dave, he was just teaching his kids, and this kid came to the door, and the door flung open, and this kid said, "Mr. Whitaker, you've got to come now. Mr. Loring is a supply teacher. He's getting sweaty betted." <laughs> and so he went. He went to see this to go and rescue this supply teacher. And apparently, there was just the outline of a, do you know, like a murder scene. The person <laughs> there was just this outline of sweaty Betty's on the wall, and oh. this this poor bloke stuffed at the front, getting absolutely, absolutely it's terrible, pelted. It? It's yeah, terrible. cruel, cruel. cruel. Awful. I mean, my wife recounts a story of when she was <laughs> at school, 
that they uh, <laughs> there was a flat roof next to the windows. Oh gosh! And while the teacher was writing on the board, they all climbed out the window and hid. <laughs> I mean, that's bants, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's not. It's not good for you if you no, turn around really. and all your kids have gone. It's not. <laughs> it's not good feedback. No. <laughs> Even more cruel, another time, every time the supply teacher turned around, they would just shuffle their chairs forward. Oh, yeah, I love it. Until, in fact, they were surrounding her. She got so <laughs> frightened. They were sort of right on her, like a pack, yeah. right round her and just staring at her as if we haven't done anything. It's you. You're the one that's going mad. <laughs> there was the humming. That would send people crackers. Humming. Humming. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't. And, and doing that comedy, looking around as if you're looking to see where the humming's coming from. <laughs> Whole careers have been cut short. I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, Hal, let's yes. talk about the things you've chosen to put in a time capsule okay. and see where that takes us. Yes, well, it's been really nice listening to the other podcasts you've done with brilliant people, and really just wonderful people. And I was trying to get some uh, inspiration from what they were saying and I was trying to be quirky and all these things. And then I, I just did bend all that and just thought, mm-hmm. what are my four things? <laughs> and I, I've, I wrote them down and I've tried to think around them. So I hope these go down well. And my fifth thing as well is a bit strange, but we'll, right. the, the thing I want to bury and yeah. get rid of. Okay. Um, okay, so my first thing, number one, mm-hmm. is one copy of To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. By Harper Lee. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. straight into my schooling past here. Yeah, yeah. And it's an edition that was battered, and it was part of a, a set of 30 that had <laughs> been, over the years, had been vandalised, ripped, drawn on, mm-hmm. appendages had been drawn. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Expertly you know, yeah. on the covers and... Um, and this this book, and I've I've got it upstairs. It's it's, it's, a, it's a scrappy book, but it's got a lot of my notes in it from when I was a young teacher. Mm. And when I was a young teacher, uh, the reason I went into teaching, I, I, I was quite inspired by a film called uh, Dead Poet Society yeah. with Robin Williams in it. I went okay. to see that at the cinema, and um, I remember saying to my mate Craig, "I know what I want to do with my life. I'm going to teach." <laughs> and I really did have that sort of road to Damascus moment. And then fast forward, I'm in a temporary classroom in Barnsley. And <laughs> not a public school in no, Massachusetts, no, no. Nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. Not, not in the 1950s. Not, no. not in an American private school. With teaching. smart boys all standing up <laughs> yes, quoting poetry. Yeah. No. Carrying me on their shoulders to the soundtrack <laughs> of Beethoven. None of that. None of that. While the sun sets. Nothing. I'm in a prefab with a bucket in the corner for the leak mm-hmm. and I have a bottom set of boys they're all boys um, it's a mixed school but they've they've been setted by attitude uh. <laughs> not ability mm-hmm. and um, I'm the new boy so um, unfairly and I, I don't think not very it's not it wasn't very nice they just gave me these tough classes to sort of test my mettle mm. and uh, so I learned a lot just by teaching this particular class and I taught them a novel actually called Kez, yeah. Kestrel for a Knave, mm-hmm. um, which was um, a book I, I loved. And it was one of those films that my dad made me watch. It was on BBC Two once when in the 80s and my dad made me sit and watch it as a life lesson. 
Mm-hmm. And it is a great film. Do you remember it? Right. I do, absolutely, yeah. Now, yeah. so the thing... Oh, the thing of, Bobby Cholton. Yeah, yeah, Bobby <laughs> Don't you know your colours, lads? Brian Glover as the PE <laughs> oh, teacher. Oh, brilliant performance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Colin Welland as the kind uh, English teacher who, 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 you know, I just thought I want to be like him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, I didn't realise when I was watching that film, you know, as a kid, that I'd be standing in front of those kids because teaching that novel, and I am going to come back to To Kill a Mockingbird, but teaching that novel it was like teaching it to those kids they loved it Mm. because it was about where they were from and actually if they were a football team and I was the coach it was like we were playing at home you know (laughs) it was uh teaching Kez was was pretty straightforward and they loved it Mm. and they loved the swearing there was a bit of swearing you see in it Mm. they made me read that over and over again and I did (laughs) They, they just really liked it and then it was on the curriculum, so we could do that. They had to write an essay about it in an exam. And then the next, um, well, something that happened was they, they, one day they all came in and their ringleader, if you like, the main kid I remember was a kid called Brett and he was about nine foot four, <laughs> <laughs> you know, built like a wall. Yeah. And he'd come in and he'd set my agenda every lesson by just saying, this better be good. He'd look proper eyeball me, you know. And they were all, you know, again, rose tinted, but they were all all right, you know. But yeah. it was, he was more, he was towering over me. And I said, Oh, you, I'd always say, You're going to love this. You're going to love it, you know, whether they would or not. Now, one day they all came in and they were all being really horrible to each other. Now, that might happen just because, I don't know, they'd all got a detention from the ineffectual art teacher, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the lesson before. So they'd all come in grumpy for me yeah. and yeah. all kicking well, off. Unless you tell me who did this, you're all going to get detention. Yeah. One of them, definitely Those one of them. really useful phrases. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Unless, really... unless you all turn on this one boy. Yeah, go, yeah. That, really punitive. That's never going to work, is it? Yeah, yeah. And the same kids in detention all their school career, you know, <laughs> yeah, and right. no one's saying, does this work? <laughs> Does no, this work as I a deterrent? I'd walk past a deputy headmaster's office going home every night. There would be the same five boys waiting yeah. to be caned. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. And that Quite and that's much. actually a key sequence in Kez. Mm. The same boys, same old faces the head teacher yeah. says. So one day they all came in all with grump on and they're all being nasty to each other and the language they were using was awful. And I thought if anyone was coming in now, I'd, I'd get the sack because of – but I wasn't letting them get away with it. I just – I didn't have the tools as a young man to deal mm. with it. And mm. they were being racist as well, which was really weird and unusual in the set. Honestly, it really was. Yeah. Um, this was a very sort of white working class. There was there was no anger with anyone else, really. It was all, it was usually just attacking each other's mothers, you know. They'd, yeah. they'd say, the mother, the mother, like that. <laughs> um but they all started, they came in swearing and, and using really awful racist language um, and so on. And I thought, I don't know how to deal with this. It really upset me. I got through the lesson. I went to see um, the head of department, like, not to grass them up, but just to say, I, did, I, I felt like I couldn't do my job. I didn't know what to do. Mm. What can I do? And, and she said, teach them something that's going to teach them a lesson right. about what they've done. And it was very wise, but it wasn't very helpful. But I did my best, <laughs> you know. I felt like I'd been talking to Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, but <laughs> it wasn't much use. So I went to the stock cupboard, the English stock cupboard, and I'd looked at my curriculum because in those days you could actually teach full novels. These days uh, you can't, which mm. is bizarre um, mm-hmm. in English literature. So 
I went into the, I had to do a secret knock on English stock room because uh, the PE teacher and one of English teachers were having an affair and they'd meet in there. So you had to do this <laughs> special knock. Go <laughs> for me. As if I didn't have enough on. You know what yeah, I mean? It's quite, <laughs> use your own bloody cupboard. <laughs> I know. They're married now. It's all right. To different people. <laughs> to different people. But, you know, that, but anyway, I went in and I, I found the books that I wanted. I felt like Indiana Jones going right to the back, you know, mm. all cobwebs and stuff. And I found this box of books, took them home, cleaned them up, basically wiped them down, got Tipex. <laughs> Do you remember Tipex? Yeah. Got Tipex, got off my head on Tipex fumes all <laughs> afternoon, just trying to sort them out to make these books look nice. And I thought this will be the best novel I could do with them, and it was To Kill a Mockingbird. I went in and I started reading it to them. Because of its themes, you know, and, and, and you know, listeners who, who don't know it, there will be a spoiler shortly, but, you know, it's, it's a novel that deals with racism and, and childhood and so on. So I thought they'll really love this. And as it happens, this was another film that my father would make me watch, the Gregory Peck, mm-hmm. Robert, Robert Mulligan movie with mm-hmm. Robert Duvall as Boo Radley. That and care. So now I'm teaching and I feel I've got the crowd behind me because... I know this stuff. So I've read the book, I've made my notes, and I go in and teach. Now, the first chapter of To Kill a Mockingbird is a bit slow. And Brett, he wasn't happy. Do you remember him? (laughs) He wasn't happy. And he's like, he starts banging his head on table, like (laughs) literally just smacking his own head on table. And I'm, because I've been on a behaviour management course, I'm I'm just tactically ignoring it, they call it. You know, you just ignore it. So the kid's proper smacking his head on a table. And eventually I have to just stop and say, Brett, what's up? And he said, he looks at me and he said, and his, his head's gone red. His forehead's red. <laughs> and he says, sir, this is boring. And I went, look, just stick with it. We'll be all right. Please just stick with it. Mm. And he was like shaking his head. And because he said it, all the other kids are like nodding and agreeing with him. And I'm like, oh no. And I'm losing the room. Mm. We've all all been there, Mike. I'm losing the room. (laughs) (laughs) And then then I said, please just stick with it because you're going to love it. And he really eyed me up, did Brett. And he just said, sir, do an accent. (laughs) And I said, pardon? He said, do an accent. Now, He'd picked on the right dude, fortunately, yeah. because I grew up in the 70s and 80s on a diet of American TV shows like <laughs> The A-Team and Chips yeah. and Night Rider. And when I used to play out with my mates, I don't know if this resonates with you, but I, when we used to play out, we'd just role play all the time. And, mm-hmm. and we'd be all American. I, I was always like Steve, I think based on Steve Austin, <laughs> the world's first bionic man. So I just slipped into I'm good at accents. And I just slipped into it. And I, I was proper pushing forward with, I think, a really good Louisiana <laughs> Southern drawl, <laughs> echoing the bayou and all that. Yeah. And when I looked up, bravely looked up, all the boys in this class were watching me with their heads in their arms, you know, just lying on their desks, mesmerised. And it was at that point, this is, this is why it's important to me, at that point I realised when working with people, risk is everything. Mm-hmm. When performing, stepping up, stepping out, applying your professional imagination, which is what you do as an actor yeah, all the time, mm-hmm. and inviting inviting your audience, inviting, in my case, inviting these kids to step into a world was everything. I learned so much just from 
that class. Well, I'm complimented, Hal, that you compare what you do to what I do because you're stuck with those kids for the whole year. I get a new audience. If I yeah. if I fuck it up, <laughs> they all go away and then another one comes in and I get another yeah. chance, whereas you yeah. are putting the whole year on the line by doing that. Yeah, yeah. I think there is there's a sense of building and developing mm-hmm. and and developing that and and I suppose that goes back to the relationship by the end of it uh, the famous you know one of the famous bits in to kill a mockingbird is is the uh, the court scene the mm-hmm. court sequence oh, I bet um, you had a field day didn't you oh uh, yeah well I, I put a, a spoiler alert Atticus <laughs> Finch the adult hero he loses the case doesn't he and mm-hmm. and the innocent man the innocent black man who's been accused of rape uh, Tom Robinson goes to prison where he, he is murdered mm-hmm. and I put a plastic chair on a table and I just said, I just said to the kids, I said, right, let's say when I'm working with kids now, it's let's say is basically let's, let's imagine. Yeah. Let's say, I I never say let's imagine because kids (laughs) think I don't want to. So (laughs) let's say this is Atticus Finch sitting in his chair and he's, he's just lost the case and the Ku Klux Klan have, have won. Yeah. Now, what do you think of the white community who were leaving, whooping and cheering, as they do in the novel? And we reread the sequence. And Brett put his hand up and I said, go on, Brett. And he said, sir, they're all bastards. <laughs> and I, and I, I was like nodding at him sagely like, yeah. Yeah, but all I could think was, how do we now expand that to a GCSE response? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was my next task. Yeah. I then said, who's going to come and reassure this, this man? Who's going to come and reassure him? And we've all established he's a great man. So who's going to come and reassure him? The chair is the man. None of the kids wanted to get up, <laughs> uh, apart from Brett. So he, he, he got up and he went, I'll do it, I'll do it. So he went up to the chair. He's now, I'm now at the back of the classroom. And he's at the front talking to a chair. And this is what he says. This is what he said, Brett. He said, and this is, it, this is, this is him with his lovely Barnsley dialect accent. Mm. He just said, that's done all right. No one could ask for more. You're a good man. Oh. And I'm at the back <laughs> and tears. I've got like tears in my of eyes. Course. And I feel like I've just been lifted on their shoulders and carried through the fields of gold, <sighs> like, like Robin Williams in you their poet society. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's the book. And the book has just sat on my shelf. I, I, I must admit that's, that's 20, 20 years ago, 20 years ago that I reckon. Yeah. And I was in a pub in, in Wakefield, not far from me. And I, I got a tap on the shoulder and it was a kid in the class who's now a grown-up, and he told me the story, and I'd forgotten it. He told me that story about Brett and all that and the boring book. And I'd kind of forgotten, because you do, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) And and I dug out the book, and I remembered it all, you know. And, and Mm. yeah, so. How brilliant. So that's my first object. I can make the others quicker. I can make no, the others quicker. No, no, that's fantastic. What, <laughs> what a great bloke Brett sounds like. Oh, what a wonderful. I mean, straightforward, honest, but also yeah. he really knows, he really understands what that person's been through. There's no sort of, it'll be all right, mate. None yeah. of that. I think what it does as well, it elevates that thing. And, and you know, when talking about what education is, it's yes, we're going to study that novel because that's what we're told we've got to do. Mm-hmm. But then what I hope I did and what I, I encourage teachers to do, or anyone who's working with learning, you know, teaching mm. and learning, adult learning, is what else are we learning? 
So we've got to do that. That's the should. We've got to do the should, which is learn the book. Yeah. What could we be doing? <laughs> could is, is, is part of it as well. What's brilliant is without a doubt, those children would have seen the connection between their own behaviour months earlier, maybe. Yeah. And that book. That would have stuck with them. It's like, you know, learning the injustice of Kez and the unfairness yeah. of it. And, you know, you remember that. And yeah. you therefore, you notice it in the world. Yeah. And the only reason they were all being racist and using that language mm. was that they, they, it was coming from a place of ignorance. And it was because they'd all been watching Pulp Fiction. It right. was being handed around on a fresh DVD. Everyone had uh, watched right. it. So they were just emulating Quentin Tarantino's language set, if you yeah. like, in that film. And yeah. so that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I didn't know that. You know, not... <laughs> That brings us right back to that whole point of education, that yeah. all biases like that come from yeah. ignorance. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and part of our job as educators, in whatever context, is just changing some mindsets yeah. and changing pe- some people's view of what they think the world is. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> All right, that's number one. Then. Yeah. We're putting To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee into the time capsule. So let's move on to number two, Hal. There you are. I told you it was worth listening to Hal, didn't I? Sadly, we have to interrupt this chat to play some adverts. At least I hope we do, as that's the main way this podcast pays for itself. We'll be back in not two, but one shake of a lamb's tail. See you soon. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back, and let's waste no more time and get straight back to the delightful Hal Roberts. Any fans of Only Fours and Horses will love his fourth item, but it's quite surprising. So keep listening. Number two is um, a photograph of an old cinema, which isn't there anymore. It's a cinema called the Mayfair Cinema, mm-hmm. uh, which was in Whitefield, which is near Manchester, where I was brought up, born and brought up. And it's um, it had two screens, the major and the minor. Such choice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You had two films and you would lump it. The thing is, um, the cinema for me was a great retreat and as a place uh, which is, if you like, like everything that goes into your time capsules, I'm sure, Mike, it, they're just weaved into what makes you. And mm-hmm. 
for me, when I saw this, it just appeared on a group on Facebook. That, Does anyone remember this cinema? And I was like catapulted <laughs> into thinking, oh my God, this is, this is such an important place. Mm. It's now a block of flats. But for me, it was, you know, going to see many, many great films with my family. And without getting over sentimental, but I will anyway, um, but just holding my parents' hands, mm. holding my brother's hand. And I remember going to see Star Wars in 1977 and my dad dropping my mum and my, me and my brother off. And it was quite a busy road and it was raining. And my mum had to navigate quite a busy road with us. It was the 70s, so no one was wearing a seatbelt. Everyone was driving too fast and many had been been for a few pints. Yes, quite. So it was a bit, a bit like that game Frogger, you know, just trying to get across the road. <laughs> but I remember seeing a kid in a, a Stormtrooper mask, you know, one of those black and white masks and there. And I just thought, gosh, I really want one of those. And uh, then going to see Star Wars was just just brilliant. And a few years later the whole family going to see the sequel, The Empire Strikes Back. And I remember crying at the end of it because I just didn't want it to end. <laughs> I remember saying to me, Dad, can we go see it again tomorrow and, and stuff? And, and it, was just, it was just a place of great memories. And also there was a bar in there, which I'd really appreciate now, but I think my dad appreciated it then. I think they had like McEwen's Bitter on Draft or something, you know. So he'd be sitting there. And also the other thing I remembered was in those days, they'd show trailers for any films. So you could, I remember going to see A Bridge Too Far, that Richard Attenborough film with mm-hmm. a massive cast. And it wasn't wholly appropriate for me. I think I was about eight. But the trailers before it were inappropriate films like The Deer Hunter. Oh, God, and films yeah. like that. And so I'd be like, oh, who's he? You know, and it'd be Robert De Niro and stuff. I'd, I'd be like, and, I, and I've, I've totally got them cemented on, that, on my mind. But the biggest, the biggest movie, and, and when I, that's what really got me when I saw the picture, and which is why it's in my time capsule, is because that's where I saw the best film ever made, <laughs> which is Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Spielberg's Jaws. And I think I saw it... On a re- it was made in 1975, but I think I saw it in 1976 when I was probably still five. Good Lord. And, yeah, it was an A certificate, which is an equivalent to a PG, which is amazing when you yeah. consider... Your mum how- and dad could decide if it was okay. For yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember going to see it and writing this book, Botheredness, the cover, if you look at the cover of the book... It's a shark fin. Of course. Because there's there's always something happening underneath. And (laughs) I use the whole film as a bit of a metaphor for education (laughs) and teaching. Um, I remember seeing it as a child and I obviously remember the music. I remember going home after seeing it and the only thing I could remember was the head popping out of the... I don't know if you remember all that. Do you know, I, I, (laughs) I couldn't get through it. Oh dear, Mike! I was Come a teenager. On. I was a bit oh, yeah. soft. I was a bit of a softy. But as a teenager, I thought I can't cope with any more of this, <laughs> and I got up and left the cinema. Oh well, dear! A few this times is... I've done it. I've never seen the end of it. Oh I, my word! I, the bit on the boat. I know that about that. I've seen clips of it, yeah. but I've never watched the film since. Uh, Before Jaws, there was no universal phobia of sharks. Nobody no. cared a damn about sharks. No. They didn't think they were that dangerous. Yeah, they're in the sea, but you're not yeah. going to get attacked by a shark. After it. Everybody, I can't go in the sea. There might be sharks. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. I think uh, the writer Peter Benchley and Steven Spielberg 
there was a regret, a sense of regret that the, yeah. that the shark had been demonized. And mm. I think they did a, I'm not an expert on this, but I do think Peter Benchley set up a big foundation, basically education around sharks and, yeah. and, and so on. And I know we have shark week and things like that, uh, that, has tr- that have tried to mitigate any damage that was done mm. by that film nearly 50 years ago. But uh, <laughs> I think the film, I've written this book and, 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 about 20 pages of it is just about my favourite films. And I've been asked in the education world, how have you managed to get the publisher to produce an education book that is predominantly about cinema? And I've said, well, it's about passion. It's about impact. It's about how things make you feel. It's about what can you learn from what you've been presented? Mm. And are you discerning? You know, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've learned a lot about history. I, I, I did all right at history at school, but I've learned most of my historical knowledge by through cinema, you know, and <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I think if I was a real football nut, then I would have written 20 pages or whatever about football. But, yeah, uh, but you clearly use it. You use yeah. that passion and that knowledge yeah. to inspire the kids. You say, have you not seen this? Yeah. And talk about it. And by talking about it or saying to them, watch it, watch it. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. You know, and then they come in the next day going, I watched it, sir. Oh, it was great, you know. Because yeah. now they can. Now you can just say it's on Netflix, go and look at it. Absolutely. And one of the great things that's happened just re- well, I think so anyway, was the um, Barbie and Oppenheimer yeah. collision where young people <laughs> were going to see Barbie and then going to see Oppenheimer. My son did it with his mates. And it was great because I just think uh, it's a shame if we all just sit in our own boxes and watch mm-hmm. films on our own or just in small groups. I think... Going to the cinema is, is great. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so that's well, my Otis, second When thing. I was at school, they, they used to... So we were studying Macbeth, so they decided yeah. to show us, I think it might be the Polanski Roman version, Polanski's version. Roman yeah. Polanski film, yeah. which is just full of gore and blood yeah. and people's yeah. heads being chopped off. Yeah. Not only that, loads of naked women. It was fantastic. We yeah. were 16. What a thing to do to take... Come on, kids, in you come. You're going to love this. We really did. But it was nothing to do with the book as far as we were concerned. No, no, absolutely. And, and I always used to I used to love, because Martin Shaw was in it from, yeah. uh, you know, the great actor Martin Shaw. And uh, I'd, I'd be like pointing it out to the kids going, is in the professionals in? And the kids would be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd remember I was a lot older than them. <laughs> yeah. So that's my second thing anyway, the photographs. Well, those sort that's of, um, okay. and of course that would have been a town centre cinema, wouldn't it? Yeah. And it's yeah. a great loss, I think, in so many towns that actually cinemas are now on the outskirts. If you want to take your kids to the cinema, you have to drive them there. Whereas in fact, you could just, well, it's the town centre, you know, kids yeah. go to the town centre. You say, well, there's the money, go to the cinema. Yeah, it was uh, great for that. And as I got older, that's what we do. And mm. I went, I've, I've written a list of films. You're going to think I'm really sad here, but I, <laughs> I wrote a list of films that I remember seeing there. One of them was Watership Down, where uh. me and my brother needed counselling after it. <laughs> you know, we, why are you so upset? You've just been to see a nice film about rabbits. <laughs> with, with bright eyes, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> that terrible song. <laughs> and later, I can spin this back to my first object, uh, the book, uh, is I, I saw Dead Poets Society there. Ah. And I think I think really my life changed there. Yeah. <laughs> wow, how fantastic. We have um, a large building site in the middle of Tunbridge Wells, where I live in Kent. Yeah. They knocked the cinema down about 20 years ago, the lovely old Odeon Cinema. And that, I think, had four screens, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. And they knocked it down. And then they did a survey of the entire town. They put it up in the town centre saying, uh, what would you like us to do with this site? 
and 98% of people, you, you know what I'm going to say, don't you, <laughs> said we'd like a cinema, please. And they ignored them. Oh, dear. What a loss. What mm-hmm. a loss. Yeah. Madness. <laughs> it is mad. Madness. It is mad. It is mad. And there we are. Ah, well. <laughs> What brilliant places they were. They were. Okay, let's put that lovely cinema into your time yeah. That's number two. Right, Hal, what's number three? Well, um, so I've thought about my own, if you like, my career as a teacher, and then um, I've thought about my childhood and my love of cinema. I love music. And when I was uh, in primary school, we had to do sewing. This is probably about 1981. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, you know, I was about 10. And we had to make something useful. Now, a lot of kids were making aprons. And it was at that time when we did metalwork, we all made ashtrays. (laughs) Do you remember that? You just make an ashtray. We all made pokers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We all made pokers just at the point when all the coal fires were shut down. (laughs) (laughs) It was Well, I remember doing ashtrays with metal. And and this was actually at secondary school. This when we we proper went for it with the ashtrays. But me mate, um, he was a bit of a loose cannon. He made um, and I, I don't know if you can call them this or anything, but we called them at that time Chinese stars. They were jagged edges of metal, <laughs> which we then throw at people and cause injury. I I say we, won't me. I would never do anything like that. But uh, my friend Darren. He had his own little cottage industry during metalwork, <laughs> making these weapons. <laughs> anyway, back to primary school, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> embroidering and sewing. And I thought, I want to make something to put my um, seven-inch records in, my singles. Now, that I, I, it must have been that summer, my grandfather, Welsh, hence my name, Tidy, my Tide grandfather in Welsh. He'd given myself and my brother a, a little record player in a suitcase, you know, a dance mm-hmm. set kind of thing. Yeah. And we were absolutely buzzing. And every Saturday morning, my dad would take us to Berry Market and we'd go to get some pies and stuff. And we'd then go to the record shop, which was called Vibes. <laughs> and uh, my dad would buy us all a record, which was very generous. And for our dance set, and I, I got my first record as a record by the Specials. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it was. I thought it was good. It was in the clear out. We were only allowed records out of the clear out bin. Yeah, and it was "Do Nothing" by the Specials, <laughs> who just looked really cool on the cover. And I played it to death. And and the B side was Maggie's Farm, a cover <laughs> of the Bob Dylan song. Yeah, but obviously a, a, a pop at Margaret Thatcher mm. uh, when they covered it. And then. Um, I just got into that music. I got into that and madness. Ah. Madness. It was like they'd invented a band for 10-year-olds. <laughs> it was just, they were just brilliant. So I would collect. It's where I started collecting music, I guess. And what I wanted was a record case. Now, record cases were quite expensive and, and so on. So I thought I can make one out of cloth. <laughs> so my third object is a blue, I've got it in the house now. It's wow. a blue, I, I meant I should have got it out so I could show you, but I don't think that works very well on a podcast. But <laughs> no. the, the, it's, it was, a, if you can imagine a length of material folded over, stitched around three edges, so it creates a pocket mm-hmm. and you could put your singles in and you fold it over. And then I had to stitch the letters, Howell's Records. 
on there. <laughs> and that was my record bag. Because there'd also be like discos. We'd have discos in class. And you'd have to take your records in. But you'd have to write your name on them. <laughs> and I, I didn't want to ruin the cover. You know, I didn't want no. to have specials, do nothing with my name on. So no. I took them in my special case. And I was quite the man about town with it, Mike, to be honest, <laughs> as you can imagine. What you got um, there, a shoebox? A shoebox, that's nothing. Yeah, I've got a cloth embroidered and stitched. It's got my name on it. It's got my name on it, yeah. So but there's, the, the, really, what, what, what I suppose the reason it's in my time capsule, apart from being a bit of a museum piece about my life, is actually it's where I started collecting things, like and the records and I... And the vinyl, and I'm not a vinyl geek necessarily or nerd about it, but I still like it. I never got rid of it. I've still got uh, all those singles, and I just yeah. Kept well, them. the fact that you've still got your cloth pocket <laughs> for your records, and the fact that yeah. you've still got To Kill a Mockingbird on yes. the show, it tells me that you're you're a man who doesn't let things go easily. <laughs> I don't let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't let it go. I like, I like, and I think there's a sentimentalism around me and, and around it and around all of it because it is just a record, but it's the evocation really of mm. everything from the films, the music and so on. And There's nothing and, wrong with sentimentalism. No. No. My younger brother is very sentimental, much more mm. sentimental than I am. I'm a right. little bit sentimental yeah. and I'm happy to, you know, always look forward, try and look forward. Yes, absolutely, time. yeah. It's quite yeah. a lovely thing to have in life. I wish I had more of it. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing with the music, I think when you hear music, like you hear an old song, I, I, can, I can hear Streets of London, Ralph McTell. I wasn't mm. alive when that was in the chart. But <laughs> no. I've heard him play it live, and it was one of the most beautiful experiences ever, just seeing him. It was like, but it, I said to my mate who were there, I said, it's like the Blitz. How do I know what the Blitz is like? We were all in this darkened auditorium and he was just playing Streets of London. I don't know what the Blitz was like, but actually it felt like it, if you know yeah. what I mean. And, and yeah, I do. Music has that power, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. I love the fact with Madness, though, to yeah. take you back to them, yeah. your youthful love, that eventually they were able to release songs like the Labby Sifri, you know, oh, It Must yeah. Be Love and things. Yeah. And, and the fan base which had all come to them because of, you know, baggy trousers mm. and, and uh, our house and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, it's They absolutely stuck with them. And in a way, they're their favourites, those yeah. really sentimental songs. You're absolutely right. And they also opened the doors to, like you say, Labby Sifre and other music. And suddenly you're educating yourself, aren't you? And you, yeah. we didn't have streaming. You had to go looking and yeah. you had to go searching. And I remember hearing come up and see me make me smile cut me rebel you know <laughs> i remember hearing that on the radio but i'd never heard it before i'd never heard it and so i remember going to the record stall on berry market and just singing it <laughs> to him and he went yeah i know what that is because obviously oh, everyone every every grown-up seemed to know it but i yeah, didn't know it you know no. uh, but you're right and um, that that sort of stuff you know it's it's the music open doors. It, it takes hold of you, and it also offers really good punctuation to your own life, doesn't it? Mm. And and uh, what you were doing at that time, and and, and so on. That yeah. never goes. I, I have that now. <laughs> oh, of course. And as a teacher, you would be introduced constantly, or you would need mm. to be aware of what's going on. 
because your references, you can't say, well, yeah. it's like that Cockney Rebel song, and they'll go, what? No, 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 they'll go, what, what are you on about? You've got to be Lady Gaga or yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> One of the things that helped me out a great deal, actually, was um, the music department were throwing out an old piano. They'd got all the keyboards in, you know, they'd gone electric. Yeah. They'd gone electric. <laughs> and um, so all the pianos were going, and the, the pianos were battered. But, um, you know, I, I play the piano. And I said to the music teacher, don't bin that piano. And it was covered in graffiti. It was in a right mess. I mm. said, wheel it across to my room and I'll have it. And I, I, I paid for a piano tuner to come in and it, it wasn't expensive. It just sorted it out. So when kids would walk in, I'm not a great pianist, <laughs> but I'm a good pub pianist. Oh, you know great. what I mean? I could, yeah. So they'd be all like, Chuck us a take that on, sir. So I'd just be there like, while they were just coming in, you know. So, <laughs> again, it was just that sort of finding a nice... We were all calm, you know, <laughs> having a little sing-song and then do something. Just some... something else, just something different. Apart <laughs> yeah, do... from that, sit still, be quiet and yeah. shut up. I'm going to talk now. And it's not maverick, it's just being human. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that kept those children quiet was fear. Yeah. And who yeah. learns anything when they're frightened? Yeah, well... It... It's sad because that narrative, if you like, or that situation has bubbled up mm -hmm. in recent times. I think, as I said before, the pendulum will swing. Yeah. And I think things will be better. Yes, good. Good. We all look forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, lovely. Well, let's put your little cloth uh, house records. <laughs> Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of it. How lovely. <laughs> Although I could say, don't bother. No, 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 yeah, absolutely. It's fine. <laughs> I can imagine it. <laughs> right, let's move on to the next thing. We're at the fourth thing, and so you've only got one more good thing. Yeah, this is my good thing, and, and I had to really – it would have been wrong for me not to include this, so I'm, I, I'm going to include it, and it's a, it's a beer mat, but it's a particular beer mat. It's a beer mat from a particular brewery, and the brewery is called the Jolly Boys Brewery. Yeah. The brewery is named after, obviously, the Jolly Boys outing. Mm-hmm. Only fours, yeah. Absolutely. And the brewery is mine and my three friends. Wow. And you mentioned friendship earlier. And we are three educators who have all gone in different directions in 2014, we were sitting in a pub called the Golden Ball in Scarborough, on Scarborough mm -hmm. Seafront. Mm -hmm. And it's a cracking little juicer, as we call it. So we were drinking Sam Smith's beer, which is a, a beautiful ale and cheap. <laughs> and we, every, every so often, we'd, we'd all meet up. And we were all teachers who worked at the school in Barnsley that I mentioned earlier. But obviously, that was a long time ago, and we've all moved on. But in 2014, we all met up. And we were all talking and we were a bit of the, we were kind of the old timers, <laughs> if you like, even though we were only in our forties, we were the old timers. A lot of the mm. young'uns were all in their white trainers and jeans and going out to the sports bars around Scarborough. Yeah. We were sitting in this lovely boozer and we were chatting, <laughs> we were chatting and there's myself to my right. There's Andre, who was a great lad. He's still a teacher. He's a geography teacher. To my left is Dave. And he's, um, he's very senior in a big trust around education. <laughs> and there's Paul, who's a finance manager for a big northern trust of schools. And there's me. And my work now is I'm, I'm not a full-time teacher anymore. I'm, at this point, I'm, a, I'm doing a lot of conferences. I'm doing a lot of keynotes around mm -hmm. education, basically trying to get people whipped up 
and passionate about what they're doing. And mm. uh, I still do that now and write books and things like that. Basically working with corporations, education and all that to get the best from the people, mm. building the botheredness, if you like. <laughs> and we're sitting around and, and we're all chatting and we all love each other. We're all good pals. And, and Andre's got a, a very autistic son. And um, he said, we said, how, how is he? How, how's the little lad doing? He says, well, he's, he's not going to be little forever and I'm going to have to pack teaching in to become his full-time carer. Mm. Um, because of one thing and another, he's the sole parent. Yeah. And so we're, we're like, oh, God, mate, that's, that's tough, isn't it? What can we do? <laughs> you know, because you want to do something, don't you? Of Especially course. when you've had five pints. Yeah. Well, you know, the, you wanna, yeah, quite. You want to do everything. you wish. Then you suddenly think, oh, God, I wish I was a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, 100%. And we just want to help. Yeah. And he says, lads, all I want to do, all I want to do is brew. <laughs> and it turns out he's done a lot of shed brewing. You know what I mean, don't you? He's yeah, done I shed did, yeah. brewing with his brother and his dad. <laughs> At the end of the evening, we've decided to have a meeting. So fast forward, we're in another boozer. We're in another pub um, in Derbyshire. I've gone online. I've gone to company's house. I've set up the company because it doesn't cost, cost 25 quid. Mm. We're all the directors. Before you know it, we've got a meeting at the bank. <laughs> and we're going to try and get Andre to live his dream so that his son can work with him brewing. Brilliant. We did our first commercial brew, commercial brew in 2016. We employed his brother. We rescued him from a life of servicing radiators, although that is an important job. <laughs> um, and he's, he's now a full-time brewer. And today, as I sit here talking to you, we've got two lovely pubs. We've got um, a brewery. And we've got lots of plans and we employ two of our employees, our ex-pupils of oh. ours who are in management. None of us take any money from it. We just want it to run. It's like a, it's instead of playing golf, mm -hmm. it's part of a retirement pension plan for us all. <laughs> but what we feel we've done is we've really taken to the nth degree, the spirit of community and friendship, of warmth, of trust, of learning. Mm -hmm. And of being mates, really, and we're pretty jolly about the whole thing, which is <laughs> I good. Bet you are. So the beer mat, it's a great. Again, I can send you a picture, mate. Oh, you the, can do more than that, Hal. <laughs> do you know what I do on a regular basis? On a Go fairly on. regular basis, yeah, is I do only fools and horses evenings, where great <gasps> crowds of very dedicated fans yeah. gather together. And all talk about Only Fools and Horses. Oh. Now, I was in one episode of Only yes, Fools and Horses. Yes, I know, I know, yeah. You know, and we get together with other people who are doing it and other actors from the series come in it and occasionally David Jason appears. Oh, and, you know, it's, wow. it's, a, it's a really lovely oh. thing and it's really great to meet these people. But I yeah. promise you, if you send me a couple of bottles of it, Mate, I'm we'll going to push that. this like mad. <laughs> We'll sort that. If you get the only fools and horses crowd behind you, <laughs> yeah. it's huge. <laughs> we've honestly, we've, we've, it's been so brilliant. And when, when I, it's like, I, I don't really, in my daily job, in the work that I do, I don't really talk about it. No. But it's, it seems totally appropriate. It's such an important part of my life now. I'm sure it, it is. It yeah. tells me well being. It's like, yeah. you know, and feeling good. It's, it feels like you're contributing and it feels like you're doing something fun. Mm. And also, you know, you've got somewhere to go of an evening. Oh, it's, uh, I it's can great. tell you, I'm, I'm convinced we are now 
bonded together. Oh, like, buzzing. You know, I, I tell you, I'm going to push this like mad. I think oh, it's a brilliant up. idea. And, oh. and, and, and I know, I mean, if they, if you're looking, you're a fan of only fours and horses. Yeah. All yeah. the things you can buy and all the things yeah. you can get associated with it, you've been able to get for a long time. The things you can't get are the unusual items. Yeah. And those right. sort of things. And I tell you, if I get people like Patrick Murray and David Jason yeah. to sign a few bottles... <sighs> Yeah, It'll be made marvelous. <laughs> right, that's lovely. Thank you, Matt. You're so generous, aren't you, Matt? No, no, you are. You are. You are. That comes across with all the podcasts. Uh, well, that's very sweet of you. That's no, really no, nice. I think it's a fantastic thing you're doing there. Yeah. Uh, what a gorgeous thing. Yeah, and the story is good, and 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 I share that story with permission. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. uh, we're all busy professional people doing what we do to make a living. Yeah. Um, but this is just something that we've we've curated and got going on the side really but it's something that I, I just we're just really proud of it as well and the thing is we're still we're, we're really good mates we never fall out about anything and we've no. it's nice that we've been able to bring a lot of people with us we did a we did a, a run of cider that was made by special needs adults in Barnsley they'd, they'd got all the apples and we showed them the press and stuff and so we had a launch in the bar and oh, you know it's just 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 wonderful yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm gl- thanks for that. That was really nice. No, no, I can't wait to visit. Yeah. I can't wait to <laughs> oh, visit. Oh, you must. I'm looking, you must. I'm looking forward to having a pint. All welcome. All welcome. Yeah. Well, let's put that beer, Matt, in as your fourth <laughs> item. What a great thing. Okay, so we've just got the thing you want to get rid of from your life. And I can't imagine that you you would throw away anything. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I found that this hard, but it was something in your, um, you know, the introduction. It was that idea of a feeling that, that mm. took me because I know I've, I've, I've got me some objects and, and, and stuff that we've talked about today, but um, there's a feeling and, and I can only label it as this and I'll explain what I mean in a moment. It's Welsh Gothic dread. <laughs> right. Yeah. I really, I really <laughs> would love to get rid of it from my life. And what it is, it <laughs> stems back again to being a child and going to see my grandparents uh, in a place called Corwin or Corwen, North Wales. It's on the A5. Right. It's near Clangochen uh, and Better Sequoia. Oh, right. Yeah, Snowdonia. my wife was brought up in Oswald Street, so I know. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Not yeah, far. Neck of the woods. Yeah. And my nanny, my tide, these are my grandparents, mm-hmm. they lived in a house called Havrudle which um, means beautiful place. So I'm, <laughs> I'm painting pictures for you here, mate. <laughs> yes. um, but it was kind of a gothic-looking building. It was a tithe house. I think that's what they call it, where it had been given to my grandfather because he was, the, um, he was big in the church. Mm. He was the choir master. Oh, right. Of the Welsh uh, choir, well, the, the male voice choir. Mm-hmm. So he was gifted the house for while he was doing that job. And he was very... Um, very a brilliant musician. I once, I once sat and watched him put a record on uh, Beethoven's violin concerto. He only wrote one, did Beethoven, and and he put it on me, me, me tied my granddad, mm-hmm. and he picked up a violin and just did it like karaoke with, with the orchestra. It was it was amazing, <laughs> right? So there was lot. I've got lots of happy memories of the place, apart mm. from when I got to bed. <laughs> when, I, when I went to bed, particularly when my brother would demand another room, my brother's older than me, mm. but when we were in the same room, it was kind of all right. But when we went into separate rooms, it was it was really scary. It was yeah. kind of that feeling of being on your own and away from the warmth. 
I remember we used to walk down, it was at the top of a hill as well, this really gothic kind of feeling. <laughs> You'd walk down the hill into the main village and there'd be an off-licence and my dad would buy all the gin that would be consumed <laughs> that evening by my grandmother. And they'd they'd all have a right laugh. But at like eight o'clock, I'd have to go upstairs on my own and my brother would go in his direction and I'd go in. I think he had a Walkman or something, but I, uh, I didn't have it. I just had my imagination. Yeah, so he didn't um, hear the creaking floorboards or the oh, clock the, ticking. He didn't hear the silence. The wind rattling the <laughs> no, branches no, against the window. This is it. This is what yeah. we're talking about. He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't catch that movement in the corner. He didn't oh. hear the rattle of the wardrobe door. The wardrobe oh. door that was empty. You know, the wardrobe was empty, so <laughs> yeah. easily you could get someone in there. He didn't have the <laughs> darkness and the shadow. He didn't have any of that. I'd just be there wide-eyed and listening to the basically a free-for-all party going on downstairs, huge gales of laughter, everything happening down there, but so far removed from where yeah. I was in my and own little they'll never hear world. you if you scream. <laughs> Mate, it was just like <laughs> Alien. It was just, it was terrifying. I didn't help myself because I was explaining this to my wife. I said, this is what I'm going to do. And she said, but... You love horror films. You love <laughs> reading horror stories. You write horror stories. You know what? Why would you want to get rid of this? And, mm-hmm. I, and I think it's just that being small and being removed from love and warmth and feeling like you've been put somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a counselling session now. <laughs> but they moved me away from the fun. They did move me away. And the away fun from always the... went up a notch when I left. <laughs> yeah, they seem to be laughing a lot about me yeah yeah it was that creepy feeling it was it was that and and when I've worked away I travel a lot for work now I work all over and you know actually down your neck of the woods often and Mm -hmm. you end up in these country piles these hotels you know and (laughs) uh, they're fairly bespoke and fairly creepy and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm looking at the pictures on the walls taken during Edwardian times and thinking and the oh, eyes man. move. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want them standing at the end of my bed tonight when I've got to do a full <laughs> keynote in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm calling it Welsh Gothic Dread, but it could be English Gothic Dread. Yeah, no, it's I think we all know that. just that idea of dread. Everybody yeah. as a child at some point would have had that dread. Yeah. And so, yeah, let's shove it in there. Let's bury <laughs> Do you mind? it. Let's forget it. Gone. <laughs> Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I feel cleansed. How almost the moment I saw your picture, I thought to myself, I'm going to like this man. Oh, and and I really you. do. I've, I have to say, you're inspirational. You really are. Oh. And uh, all the best for your future. And I look thank forward you. to that future together. I really yeah, do. Yeah, I, I really thanks so much for doing what you do. I feel like I've discovered a, a, this beautiful, never ending gem of podcasts <laughs> now. And I, I'm sharing it with my pals as well. Bless and, you. you know, and obviously I'll keep listening. And, and oh. so thank you for. For this opportunity to sit with you for a bit it's been lovely lovely and uh, i'll communicate about the beer oh good lad <laughs> you have been listening to my time capsule with me mike fenton stevens and my guest hal roberts 
Right, I think you've given me quite enough of your time, so I'll just quickly cover the parish notices. We'd be delighted if you'd subscribe to, rate and review this podcast on the podcast player of your choice. Do follow me and my time capsule on social media. We're easy to find. The description of this episode has links to all things Hal Roberts and my time capsule, including Acast Plus. The Pass the Peas music composed theme tune is available on Spotify, and this has been a cast-off production for Acast, produced by John Fenton Stevens. Yep, I can hear you all thinking, why doesn't he do that for every episode? Anyway, here are some of my memories from school. Before I go, if I remember rightly, the fountain pen was invented by the Incas. You see, I did learn something. My maths teacher once asked me what 5Q plus 5Q was. (laughs) I said 10Q. He said, you're welcome. My English teacher asked me to use the word climate correctly in a sentence. I wrote, we've got an apple tree in my garden, but my mum won't let me climb it. And I once told my grammar teacher that the exams were concerning me. She said, tense. I said, I am a bit worried. I was a bit worried. I wouldn't be a bit worried. I will have been a bit worried. I got an A+. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.